Fan Hotline presented by Sullivan Super Service, providing trusted plumbing and HVAC service for over 50 years. Doran Dickerson, Jeff Hathorne, Pat Bostick, Nicholas Harry Callis here with you on the Fan Morning Show. Pat, somebody that we're very familiar with, who was uh, a coach for the Pitt Panthers while we were there playing football, Jeff Hathley, uh, bounced around in college football for a little bit, was uh, the defensive coordinator of Ohio State, and then got a head coaching spot with Boston College, and he was still, up until yesterday, the head coach at Boston College, but now he has got hired, he's gotten hired by the Green Bay Packers to be their defensive coordinator. Um, good on him, happy for him, but that's not really the conversation here. The conversation here is we're going to see this more and more as the years go on. Now, more and more to the fact that I think that there's going to be a lot of college coaches, head coaches, that are going to want to interview for spots in the NFL, for defensive coordinator, offensive coordinators. They're going to want to interview and have a chance to get those, uh, those spots. And if they're available or if an NFL team wants them is one thing. Um, you're going to see coordinators in the in college football take quality control control jobs in the NFL just to get out of college football because of the landscape of college football, because of NIL, having to recruit your own players, um, having to really fundraise. And, they, they, you know, these are, you know, uh, uh, somewhat quotes of what Jeff Hathley said. Like, you're basically recruiting your own team, your own players to stay. You have to fundraise to, to create enough money to get the top-tier players. And it's not about coaching football anymore. It's not. And all he wanted to do was coach football. This opportunity presented, it, presented itself to him to be the coordinator for an NFL football team over being a head coach in college football. And I believe that we're going to see this a lot if something doesn't get fixed in college football. 100%. I mean, this is, this is going to proliferate, in my opinion, um, in terms of – the attractiveness of the National Football League to college coaches. Now, not not every college coach is going to have an opportunity yeah. to to be a defensive coordinator, position coach, what have you, in the NFL. Um, you know, so, some some guys are just made for college in terms of their mentality. But think about Jeff. I mean, Jeff's you know, rather young guy. He's in his forties. He's got a young family. He's he's at a program that already. I mean, Boston College is you know not exactly been at the top of the mountain. They struggle financially. Uh, they struggle to draw attendance-wise. They've got 31 or two sports there. Um, he's already up against it. He's gone to a bowl game or been bowl eligible all four years. Mm -hmm. So all you know, very solid accomplishments. But he's chasing his tail because you don't know from, from day to day who's on your team, what it's going to cost to keep them. And I'm not – again, I'm not – he's getting well compensated. These guys are making three, four, five million dollars. So I'm not going to – I don't need a tissue box right now for him. But if you, if you sit there and objectively say that they should have caught, saw it coming, okay, fine. But that this is the right model and mechanics for, for how NIL should have rolled out, you're on something. <laughs> because th there's literally no structure. No structure. And it's going to get worse. Tennessee and Virginia, the states just sued the NCAA. Over the you know, NCAA's investigation into Tennessee, providing a private plane, essentially for a recruit, to say basically you know that's that's a that's antitrust violation. We, yeah. It's anti-competitive for us not to be able to to and again I'm paraphrasing fly a recruit on a private jet, and and you know give an eight million dollar contract, that's antitrust. But in the NFL, you have what's called a contract. If you get cut, you get cut. 
So my whole thing is if you're going to subject these coaches to operating in this in this, and give players the leverage they have and then put the coaches in a position where they have to function and operate and still do everything else they already did, where's their tool belt? Right. They got nothing. Mm-hmm. They got absolutely nothing. And again, I don't, I'm not crying for them because they're making a lot of money. But I'm, what I'm saying is their job got a hell of a lot harder. I mean, it, it's become it's become blue chips. I mean, it's become a movie. It, it, it's crazy how it's happened. Do you think Nick Saban, Roy Williams, Coach K, Jim Beheim, Jay Wright can't coach anymore? No. Don't want to coach anymore? No. They don't want to deal with this yeah. anymore. And you're going to see more and more of that. And to your point, they, they do get paid a lot of money. Well, that sucks to have to. I mean, you're recruiting guys every day. I don't. I don't know what it would be like to sit in a coach's office and have some guy come in. You, you'd always have guys playing time. Say, listen, coach, I got to get paid more. Yeah. I need some more cash. And not being able really to make that happen directly. You're not supposed to, and that, right. that that's that's withering away by the day. The I think you know these lawsuits will, will likely have a will likely bring everything closer together where you can, you know, be involved in those, which is going to make it even harder. You can't even plead the fifth as a head coach anymore, as a position coach that, hey, well, I can't, really can't be involved in that. Call X, Y, and Z and, and see what they have to say about it. I mean, or talk to your agent, you know, because they all got agents now. And again, I, I, I'm, I'm all for the players getting compensated, right? We played. Yeah. You know, we show up to a full stadium, which we, we were fortunate enough to do at Pitt, and we'll go win a big game or win 10 games and go to a – you know, whatever, a bowl game. And, yeah, that brings a lot of money and it brings a lot of eyeballs to the university. There's value there. There's value. If a, if a head coach is making $10 million, a starting quarterback's worth something. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm okay with that argument. But in the real world, you don't get paid whatever, you, whatever they think you're worth, and that can change every day. Mm-hmm. You got to earn it. And you, you sign what's called contracts. You have covenants. You have things you have to do to perform or else something happens. This is this has been built in a vacuum, and it is literally it's becoming its own ecosystem that you're asking people that have existing ecosystems to manage, uh, and it, and it's it's taking over, and unless somebody comes in and grabs a hold of it, I mean you're you'll see players play at four different schools, you'll they'll never they'll never sniff getting close to graduating, and. What does that teach them about going to the next stage of life? What does that teach them about commitment? What does that teach them about your word? All those old man things, it teaches them nothing. And again, go get your money. Go get paid. I'm all for it. But to, to, to think it's and, just, it, it's, your money just grows on trees, man. It doesn't. And if you, you don't think you're going to play the game, if you're going you're gonna to dabbo and you're going to be, a, we're, we're not playing that, we're not, we're not going to do that, then enjoy the basement, man. Don't think it can't happen at Clemson. Florida State's playing the game. Ohio and, State's playing the game. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, well, I'm just saying in the ACC. Oh yeah, I mean everywhere. Uh, it's it's. You have to. What in the? the you actually have to. You don't even know. You don't even know what the game means. What the game is. What right. is it? How much yeah. money? What is are it? the rules you, to the game? You're that, just the, you're throwing money on the blackjack table and not even basically. Know what you're this playing. is like, hey, you can play with as many players as you want on offense. Right. You can run out of bounds. You can throw the ball backward and forward as much as you want. And you can tackle everybody to block. Right. That, that, if you can do that, if you have the money to do that, you can go ahead and do that. You're going to win. It's blackjack, but the number keeps changing. Well, yes. One hand, it's 19. The next hand, it's 23. The next one, it's 21. 
because there are no rules. No question. Fan Twitter brought to you by South Hills Kia and Peters Township. Visit them at SouthHillsKia.net. Okay. I mean, I, I know, well, Pat, you you do um, have a, a, a probably a voice and a say in actual, uh, you know, changing of the guard and, and moving forward and changing how it should be. Like, if we're sitting here and, you know, we're talking here on the Fan Morning Show on radio, like, uh, what? how could you change it? How could it you know, put parameters around it. What needs to be done? Do players need to have contracts like the NFL where it's like you have to stay here at least for three years and you can't leave in order to make this much money? I don't know. You can't even do that, really. I don't know how you would do that. But do some of the do these schools need to have like a whole separate department within the football program? That's like that's a GM. That's, you know, scout. That's revenue. That's uh, they, are, know, they already have them. That works with the collectives. They already have them. So now you're paying more money to other people yeah. where it could go somewhere else like facilities because you have to keep up with the game. Yeah, but you still have to do the facilities. You still have you to still, do, yeah, you right. still have to, you know, make sure the guys are fed. You still have to make sure they, they get elite medical treatment, things that are, you know, critical to performance. Um I think I think what needs to happen is, candidly, football and basketball are just different. They, they are they are different. They're profitable. Uh, they have a, a a massive marketplace, and I'm going to kind of I'm going to toe the company line here because I believe in it. Uh, you know, that there 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 needs to be some sort of and I won't even use the word federal, but some sort of 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 governing body that comes in and says, guys, like this is insane, <laughs> right? You want to play, you want to put all your chips in and be a part of the the, the big game, the executive game. This is how it's going to be played. Yes, student athletes, athletes, whatever you want to call them, have value. This is how that value is going to be monetized. They're going to be given equal and fair representation at the bargaining table to figure out what that looks like. Um, but we need to protect, I believe, protect the academy side of it. That that school is still an important part of, of the component. And I, I think subjecting them to employment laws and taxes and all the things that come with that I think I think that goes too far. I'd like to see a model that progresses far closer to that, to that, that them as employees, contracts, things of that nature, gives them bargaining rights, but exempts them from becoming employees because that changes the model completely. It changes the model completely from a tax perspective mm-hmm. um, and, and from a relationship perspective. And I, I, I do think what college sports are to this country – are in large part due could be attributed to these players still being kids, young people, students that go to the same school you went to. Yeah. Babson College, as Jeff's uh, sweatshirt says, or Pitt or Penn State. They went to the school, they're going to they're going to the same they're going to the cathedral just like you did. Mm-hmm. Right? That's the appeal. And and if if we go too far and cross that line into employees and pros and they don't need to go to class and it's pro sports. And I that to me completely negates what college sports mean to this country. Has it already been negated? Uh, it, it's getting there. It's 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 getting there. But still, I mean, I walk around these facilities. You see these guys. You mm-hmm. come on the plane. These kids aren't any different than you and I were. Mm-hmm. They just get paid more, <laughs> you know. And instead of instead of having a, a ripped backpack, they got Louis Vuittons. Yeah, which is again, again. <laughs> Go get your bag, literally. But like, they're still they still have no clue what they're yeah. doing. Like they, 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 and I'm not saying that disparagingly. I didn't have any clue what I was Zero. doing. 
I couldn't imagine. I thought being I was really situation. mature at 20. Right. You know, and I probably was, relatively speaking. But I was 20. <laughs> I was 20, man. And I, you want to go pro, go pro. You know, go pro. But, you know, the other side of this thing is, too, you know, in college football, and I'm not afraid to, you know, I know he went to W&J, but, you know, the NFL is benefiting off college football more than any oh. pro sports organization benefits off of the college counterpart. Yes. No it is a league. free yes. farm yes. system. Yep. Yes. So if we're going to start paying these guys, schools, and sharing revenues, what's the National Football League's part in that? They need to have one. What's the National Football League's part in that? Well, what are the options for kids that want to come out of high school and just play football? They don't want to go to school and just play football. They, the NFL is not going to set that up. You know what the cost would be to the NFL to set up a minor league system? It would be but but it'd be, it's a difference. It's a difference in there's a difference in starting a minor league system or investing into a minor league system that you already have. Like if I was the NFL, if I was Goodell, why wouldn't you want to invest into college football? Because you get to pick at a litter. You can control everything. We could see a world in which the NFL right. buys, a, buys a stake in college football. That's, yeah, well, you control it. Why cheaper. wouldn't you want to? It'd, it'd, be, it'd cheaper. be cheaper. It'd be cheaper. And it would be – you talk about uh, – I'm just going to put this out there. Col- the National Football League could have more of an impact on college football than the federal government could getting involved right now if they got involved. They could. They absolutely could. A, they're more functional – They'll get, they'll get stuff done. Mm-hmm. And B, yeah, they got more money. <laughs> they got more money for this said usage. I, I know a very few, and you guys could speak to this better than me, I know very few freshmen that go that are playing Division One football that don't think that they're going to play in the NFL. Very few. We were in locker yeah. rooms with them. Very few. Very I mean, few. They're, Maybe they're, like 1%. They're, right. And of all of those – players that have that dream how many of them make the league one percent barely okay and stay in the league for more than three years how many of them sit back now at at 35 say thank god i got that education for free and we're we're losing that That, part of the narrative and that's on you know as a practitioner that's on us because we've allowed it to be about everything else Facilities, no gear. Now it's nil. You got no choice because it's 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 your only means of competing. But what's lost in the narrative is this: like, what's lost in the narrative is, you know, teammates of ours teaching teaching high school in in the towns they're from in Florida. When bet that they're, they're the, the but Ricky Gary, they're the first generation college student in their family. I mean, college athletics has provided more scholarships, is the most scholarships to 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 students. Since the GI Bill, I mean, the, and and again, you can roll your eyes and 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 scoff at the fact that that's important, but it's damn important, man. You raise a family, your kids your kids are going to college, and that may change someday. It might be trade schools, they might be doing crypto, they may make money doing TikTok videos, yeah, YouTube. I don't know, but the reality is, the beauty of college is it teaches you how to be an adult. You live on your own. You get out of your you get out of under your roof that you grew up in. You got to do your own laundry. You got to go to class. You got to be somewhere. That that's still, and that's why I say the academy, the, the relationship with the institution is so important because, again, there's that shared ownership that fans, alums have, with 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 the players they watch, and there's a connectivity there that doesn't exist in pros. Yeah, you can buy George Pickens jersey, but he not you never walked he never walked in your shoes. Well, you know, Nate Yarnell's going to the same class you went to mm-hmm. when you were at Pitt, or walking down Forbes Avenue trying to stop at Chipotle to get a burrito. 
just like you did back at the O. You know, it's that, that's that's why it's worth saving. So fascinating. That was, that's a great conversation. We're going to have to bring that back uh, at, in the 9 o'clock hour. That was, that was fantastic stuff. Fan text line brought to you by Edgar Snyder & Associates, a personal injury law firm where they always say there's never a fee unless we get money for you. Uh, something else that was fascinating yesterday, uh, Pat, you missed it. Doug Whaley put a, a proposition out for – uh, for Jeff and I, right before the show ended, and it got us thinking a little bit, and I might be heading in a different direction after oh uh, what he said. Initially, I said something, but I might be heading in another direction. Time is 8.23. Time to call Shenderovich, Shenderovich and Fishman. Why pay 40% when you can pay 25%? Call 888-98-TWINS. Dickerson, Hathorne, Bostic, Cows here with you on the Fan Morning Show. Uh, Jeff was here yesterday, and... Doug Whaley threw out this proposition right before we ended the show to let it brew a little bit um, over the day and night yesterday, and it did brew for me a little bit. I initially said something, but maybe if uh, some parameters were changed, Pat, uh, I would change my mind. Doug Whaley said, would you trade T.J. Watt to the Chicago Bears for the first overall pick and a second-round pick? I'll just say that, and I'll let you respond. No. No. I would not. I need to think about why, but give me a second. <laughs> now, what did you say yesterday, Jeff? I said no, because you were giving up a first and a second, and and TJ, you're just getting a first-round pick back. I'm going to say this right now. I don't love this quarterback class in next year's draft. In this year's draft, excuse me. I don't all, love of all, all of them? All of them. All of them. All of them. I don't love it. Not worthy of a one, one overall pick and trading your best player. And that's why you do that, to get a quarterback. Mm-hmm. That's Yeah, that's what he was alluding so, to. And So would I trade T.J. Watt? Yes. But it's got to be like three ones. That's exactly, yes. One one is not enough. T.J. Watt, Watt is the difference for some team of making the Super Bowl. Like you got to have to give up. What did Min- Chicago get for Khalil Mack? Because it would be the, it would be the equivalent when they, when Chicago traded a Khalil Mack to Los Angeles, if not more so. It, definitely more so, but it's I mean that would be a baseline, right? I mean I'm looking at a, at a Deshaun Watson type return. Even with the first overall pick, I, even with the first overall pick, if I was trading him to Chicago, if I, I would want to, I would want to keep my first. First round pick. They I want to keep my first round pick. I want your first overall pick, and I want another second round pick. I would do that. So when Mac traded to the Raiders in 2018, it was a 19 first round pick, a 20 first round pick, a 23rd round pick, and a 2019 sixth round pick. So two first round picks. It's at least two. Yeah. One's not enough for me. No. Even the, even yeah, the first we'll, overall. Yeah, th- that's I think where the where it is where it's at though. It's the first overall pick. Like, what were the picks? What were the first round picks that? that, that... I'd have to dig back into it. But again, I, I mean, if you're like if, if you're telling me I'm willing to trade my best player for Caleb Williams, well, that and that's what I said. To my Doug. answer is no. I, I was like, I would have to absolutely be so enamored what? by by somebody like Caleb Williams, where like I would like he would have to. I would have to know that he was. The next coming of uh, the best quarterback so, ever. To so do that. to where I changed my mind, where I started to think about it more was if it would have been a couple years ago and Burrow was the quarterback coming. Hundred percent, I'm in. If that's the, if Burrow's the guy, you know, yes, absolutely. If, if Trevor Lawrence was there, 
I'd be I'd feel better about it than these guys right now. Because I mean, the guys right now that are up there, not only are they uber talented, yes, but you've seen that a million times. Herbert, excuse, I mean not Herbert, Burrow, Lawrence, what they do? They won. These guys haven't won. Mm-hmm. Caleb Williams fell short in the biggest games. Drake May didn't win. Now, Doug may have been saying that because he loves Caleb Williams. He loves him. He, 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 right when he was leaving, he was like, I, I think that he's you know the next coming of – he said he thinks he could be better than Patrick Mahomes. No. no. Or Disagree. he says that he does things that Patrick Mahomes does now that he, he doesn't he, he, he may, but he doesn't do them consistently. And I, don't and, see, I don't see the leader. I don't see – I want to go home and cuddle and watch Netflix with my dog from Patrick Mahomes. So I, I love Doug, but Doug riddle me that. Well, and because I'd asked him, I said, "Well, what about what you know? USC never got over the. Hey, you say, oh, there's more to it than that. It's, there's more than just. There's always more to know. it, man. That's quarterback position. Doug's main argument was, well, you're not winning with your defense anyway in this day and age. You're what have you won with TJ right. Watt anyway? Yeah. So you the might as Ralph well. Connor line. We you can, might we as, can lose with you or lose without you. So you might as well get. The guy or a the guy that's the quarterback. That's fine. I mean, I, I don't think that's the guy. That's my opinion. I could, they, be, I could be wrong. I, I didn't think C.J. Stroud would come on this fast. I thought he was better than Bryce Young. I'd take him over Bryce Young every day of the week and twice on Sunday. But, you know, I, I don't see I don't see immediate impact and Super Bowl potential in this draft at quarterback. Unless he was a transcending, which I don't think Caleb Williams is. I, I, I was surprised that Doug said that, that he's very enamored by Caleb Williams. Unless the, the guy at, with the first pick was a transcending quarterback that I know is going to immediately change my organization, yes, I would do that. But then I have to, like, it, it, I'd have to be so enamored with him to be like, I, I know that this is going to be a for sure hit. With Caleb Williams, I don't know. Just for the sure fact that, like, like Pat just said, like he does, he hasn't won really anything like he can make the great the the, the great throws and the crazy throws but is he gonna tra- is that gonna translate to the nfl is he gonna win us games but i know tj watt whenever he's not in the lineup we don't win anything and, and i know the three of us have seen drake may in person a few times and there are qualities about him that are absolutely nfl but then there is the point of why didn't carolina ever win anything no and and yeah there's always more to it and there's you know but more to it is the same reason you keep tj watt that guy won you probably two games last year. And I don't see anything about Caleb Williams that, that is going to tell me you don't need those two games in 2023 or 2024. That, I mean, he's. But again, you offer me three ones. Okay. Even if they're, you know, not, not top, they're just three ones wherever. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would say this. Over three years? Yeah. Here's what I would probably do. If you were, and again, I'm just going to be hypothetical. If I'm if I am the Pittsburgh Steelers and I make that trade, I make that trade, I may trade this year's first overall pick to somebody else. Get more. And get more. Or get a veteran player, veteran quarterback. I, that's how that's how nervous I am about the quarterbacks in this draft. Hmm. Wow. I think your chances – I'm just going to throw this out there. I think your chances of winning in 2024 and 25 would be better with Kirk Cousins than it would be with Caleb Williams. I agree with that. If, I'm, if I was the Pittsburgh Steelers, yes. I agree with that. 
Of course, you can make the same argument with Kirk Cousins. What has he won? What has he done when the moment's been the biggest? Primetime Kirk? I don't know. I, I, I was. It's I was, not going to happen. It's so not going to happen. Right. <laughs> I, I'm getting like lost in this as if it's like imminent. Yeah, I mean, it well, was. I mean, we've, we've seen Colomac, the prime example. We've seen Trey. I mean, a trade like that could happen. The quarterback scenario. One of the Steelers yeah. done that. Well, they did. I mean, they have done stuff that has been. They never traded a first round pick. They did for Minka. They never. I mean, there are different things with it. They've never fired a coordinator ever in the history of their organization midseason, and they did it. So they have. They are. Even if it's in some cases crawling into what football is now and and the way transactions work, they have made changes. If I trade T.J. Watt and I suggested it earlier in the season, I wanted immediate return. I wanted immediate return. You mean and a that, player and that's, picks? That's exactly what I said. That, immediate, that immediate return needs to be on offense. And it needs to be a quarterback. Yeah, Justin Herbert. Like that's I would do that. That's what you. Ha- I mean, that's where you have to. Be, uh, that's where you have. Wouldn't to happen be. now because of Harbaugh. But like at the time, that's the only that that was the only scenario really, unless I was getting multiple first first for T.J. Watt, where I could I could see that happening. Is I get a legit starting quarterback for him that I know that could take me far in the playoffs. So let, let's say let's say you're the Bears and you're enamored with Caleb Williams and you think he's going to be the guy. So you keep that pick. But you trade with the Steelers for future first round picks and Justin Fields. Would you make that would you make that trade then? Say Fields and and a first and second rounder. Would I make it? I don't know. Probably not. Do I like it better than the first one? Yes. Yes. Because Justin Fields gives you something different than what you have. A little bit of dynamic runnability. He's got he's had he had a solid two thousand twenty three. I I I would stop short of saying it's proven, but I like that better. I'd like to be able to have more time than three months to or two months to chart my future with a first round pick, first overall pick this year. Aren't these hypotheticals great? Where you oh, don't have to fun. worry about reality. Yeah, they're fun. That's why you we're know? on the radio. This is great. Right? This they, is they're it's awesome. fantastic. I'm glad I dug through that. The out problem there is the NIL stuff's not hypothetical. It's real. That that is <laughs> real. That's so very I real. wish it was hypothetical. That's very real. Uh, what else is real is the Steelers are possibly not in the market of building a new stadium, but could they build something else? We'll talk about that next. Van Morgan Show brought to you by Armstrong Comfort with Matt Mertz Plumbing, Dickerson, Hathorn, Bostic, Callis here with you. Uh, I do believe that I did read somewhere, you know, sometimes I read stuff and forget that I read stuff because then I fall asleep and then I wake up and I'm like, did I actually read that? But I do believe that I read this somewhere that the Steelers are not in the business, um, of building a new stadium. It's been 23 years since uh, they built Heinz field slash Acroshore stadium back in the year 2000. Um, they're not in the business and want to stay where they're at. That doesn't mean that they couldn't build other things or add amenities to Acroshore Stadium, which I think that they will because of the hire of David Morehouse, as we talked about last week a little bit, Jeff. Um, David Morehouse obviously was an integral part of enhancing PBG Paints Arena, was in, uh, you know the reason why they built um, the ice rinks and the arena-ish type deal practice facility, Lemieux practice facility in Cranberry. I do believe that they, if I had to pick right now, if I had to throw money down, I bet you that the Pittsburgh Steelers will leave the south side and they will build a facility in Cranberry like they did the Lemieux co- Complex. One, because of taxes. 
too, because there's a lot of land out there, easy access from the highway to downtown, from the highway on 79 in the opposite directions. And you could not only build a practice facility, but you could build a basically whole Steelers museum where you can give tours, you can make money off of tours, and it could be like a, almost a resort type deal. I can see that going down. It's not going to happen for like 10 years or anything, but they are not probably going to build a stadium. They like to stay downtown. They could upgrade the uh, Acroshore Stadium many different ways. But as I sit right now, and if I had to really throw my money down on something, no stadium for the Steelers anytime soon, or at least in our lifetime. Well, well, maybe in the next 20 years, but they will build a practice facility and leave the facility in the south side where Pitt and the Steelers share. So Art danced around this a little bit. He did say that they are looking at stadium upgrades, things they could do right now. And I think that lease is still another decade or so and that that he was happy with the stadium. He likes the stadium, but there are certain things that they want to see added or changed. Um, I think that's an ongoing process for most NFL teams with their stadiums. They look at ways that they can enhance the, the, the fan experience, especially now when attendance across the league, even though the popularity of the sport is going through the roof, Attendance isn't. It, it's harder to get people to go to stadiums because the in-home experience is so, is so Convenient. easy. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and and the, I mean the televisions that and I mean you have fantasy Weather. teams. You got everything <laughs> right at your fingertips. You know all of that. Um, they always study that for the South Side. Listen, David Morehouse has relationships with businesses. You bring him in for that reason. That that's that's a a big reason you have David Morehouse. But he also acquires land and and helps build facilities mm-hmm. he's there to explore where their next in where their next practice facility is going to be they are out they have outgrown the south side um art said it they still have a relationship with upmc for another six years um but that doesn't mean that they aren't already planning could spend a couple of years building a facility it might be right across the river um, but to your point if you do it in cranberry you can control parking there's so many things the bills apparently make boatloads oh, in their yeah. facility because they give tours yeah you, could, you, you know the the non-traditional revenue that the Steelers could generate by having that type of of operation is is millions upon millions I would agree I I think I think that is uh like uh, in all likelihood going to happen at some point and and I can I can tell you by going down there as much as I do it's uh it's sardines uh down there both staffs have grown exponentially Pitt and and the Steelers. Uh, that being said, that, that I will say I've always felt like the novelty of being able to watch the Steelers practice has been incredibly value valuable to Pitt, and having them in that same vicinity has been incredibly valuable. It's been a very good partnership. But I, I would say, relative to Acrisure, I mean Buffalo right up the road, four hours up the road, build a new stadium. Tennessee, new stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, you're competing against that, and you're also competing, you know, in your marketplace against. I mean, I. I PPG Paints Arena, the fan experience is far superior than than Acrisure Stadium. Yes, the amenities, the the quality. Um, I think Acrisure Stadium, in, in some ways, is too big, and not that the Steelers can't fill it, but the premium spaces. And I've always felt like that north end zone could be could be better than what it is. The bleacher seats and and what it is. I mean, I think the the options are limitless. But what they've done on that North Shore. I would say it's worth staying there. That North Shore has has really, really blossomed, mm-hmm. and it's it's blossomed to a point where the infrastructure I think probably needs to be looked at on how they get people in and out of there and moving around. Because 
shoot, when I when I first came to Pittsburgh, fifteen years or seventeen years ago, there was nothing there. There wasn't Stage AE. There wasn't you know Rocky Patel. There wasn't you know Hyde Park. It was it was a couple office buildings and, and parking lots, and now it's turned into a, you know one of the better game day environments, baseball, be- football that you'll find across the country, and I, I think that is worth you know, keeping, but they've got to address no question the amenities because you're competing against a flat screen TV that, and and probably virtual reality here before, for very long. Well, I, and, and people might initially lose their mind and say, how could you make it smaller? How could you make it smaller? There's wait lists. People want to get into the stadium. What you want to do when you're the Steelers is create a demand to where that stuff, yes, there are wait lists, but the wait lists are far shorter than they ever used to be. And you get too many people that don't show up for games. Um, yeah, I, I think across the league, some of these monstrous stadiums like Washington's, uh, their time has come and gone. There are a few exceptions in college football where you could have it. Well, plus the premium at end of it, too. I mean, you share ticket revenue in the National Football League. Mm-hmm. Premium and PSLs and all that stuff is your money, based on how I understand it. Suites and things like that. So, you know, the more premium club space you have, and that North Club is good. You know, there, there's just – I sense some things coming because I still think, I mean, the vista, the views of that stadium, it, it's still got a lot of great qualities, but the, the amenities need to need to take a step. And, I mean, I mean shoot, there's still, there's still dino cats on those seats too. And you know you – know, <laughs> Yeah, there is. <laughs> and, you, and you know what? PPG has done well, and you're going to see, and I guarantee if they change stuff up at, at Acrisure, you'll have a section like this too that river section. Well, that's exactly oh, sports I, I've, book. I've said that for I mean at least 10 times in the last year and a half and I'm going to I'm going to harp on it. I'm going to stick to my guns that the Acershore Stadium and the Pittsburgh Steelers need to negotiate a partnership with Rivers Casino. They need to negotiate a partnership with the land of the Science Center because I don't believe that they own that. You need to build maybe a tunnel, an indoor tunnel that connects Rivers Casino to Acershore Stadium because whenever we do shows, whenever we do shows down there, all everybody congregates to the Rivers Casino and then they go over to the Steeler game. Make it a big tunnel just that connects. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's obviously multiple ways to get into that and how do people can with tickets and stuff, but line it with kiosks of gambling because gambling is, is, is here now in the NFL and in with sports. I would, I would create a partnership with Rivers Casino in Acroshore Stadium, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Do you guys, I don't know if you're old. Do you remember back in the day when like, you couldn't even say Las Vegas? Right. Oh, or, yeah, or, right. or if you were talking about a bet, it's like, oh, for, for some peanuts yeah, or, right, or pretzels. Right. Now – they're all in bed. Yep, they're all in bed together. Coming up next, Jeff, you uh, were there yesterday whenever new pick quarterback Eli Holstein, uh, he spoke to the media. He transferred from Alabama. We'll talk about him a little bit next. The 50-minute mark on the fan brought to you by South Hills Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Route 19 in Peters Township celebrating 50 years in the South Hills. Listen to Cook and Joe every Wednesday to hear about Starkey's Card of the Week from Baseball Card Castle and Cranberry Contest Run every Wednesday through Friday at 12 p.m. at the 937thefan.com contesting page. Dickerson, Bostic, Hathorne, Callis. Jeff, you were there yesterday. Eli Holstein, transfer quarterback uh, from Alabama. He is a Pitt Panther now, and he was a four-star coming out of high school. And, um, you know, the, the the transfer portal obviously is a big part of what we were talking about earlier and coaches leaving and stuff like that. But you do need to find a quarterback. And, you know, the Pitt Panthers, you know, Yarnell is going to be the guy to start with the ball. Uh, but you need to have, you know, be prepared for 
uh, situations like last year. So, you know, Eli Holstein sees this as a great opportunity, and you talked to him yesterday. He had something very interesting to say and who he likes as a quarterback in the NFL. Josh Allen, you know, just a, a big quarterback. You know, he's not afraid to run the ball and not afraid to run through somebody, which I kind of I kind of like. You know, it makes me excited watching him play like that. You know, he's always able to make big plays, uh, with not only with his arm but with his feet. Uh, get the ball out quick, has a lot of velocity and strong arms, stuff like that. So it's it's a lot of fun watching him, and I try to do as much as he does as I, as I can. Yeah, he was telling us a story about how he went live. They had a uh, – he was scout team quarterback, and they went, I mean, full live in a practice. And he's like, I loved it. Mm. It's like, I got smoked by what he said is the best defense in college football, based in Alabama's first team. And he said, I love the contact. He said, I got a chance to initiate a little contact. Like he was, when he was talking to all of us uh, yesterday, you, you could see like he he is a football player. He comes from a football family. His dad p- played in college. His brother was at Louisiana Tech. Was a record-setting quarterback himself. Um, the other thing I I liked about what he said. Well, first he's got four years of eligibility, so this isn't a grad transfer. This isn't a one-year deal. Right. This is a guy that can have some longevity. But he said, "Listen, I'm willing to be patient. I know there are things I have to work on." And footwork, release, other things. So it wasn't – and you didn't get the sense that was just what he had to say, but that he realized there was some – not that he's not going to try to be coming into this fall, um, but I, from a news conference, first impression standpoint, I like what I saw. I know Pat's probably seen more of Eli than any of us have. Yeah, I got a chance to meet him. Um, and a big kid. I mean, not only tall, but – thick. Thick, thick that's kid. what I was going to ask you, Pat, because I haven't I haven't had the chance to meet him, and I just pulled up his uh his little um you know thing on Alabama, his uh where his stats and stuff are at, and it says six four two thirty seven. Is that a real six four two thirty seven, or is that a uh, he's probably inflated? He's probably tip of his hair is probably touching six four, <laughs> you know, six three and a half. I would say probably more likely, and but he's every bit of two thirty. I mean, he he's a he's a thick kid. He's he's focused. He's he's very business like. You can hear that in his in his approach and. I think, you know, by all accounts, he's fit right in. I mean, I think the pick quarterback situation is – it's intriguing. You know, they got five guys in camp this spring. You, you think about it. you got Yarnell. you got Vayer, Ty Diefenbach back, uh, Eli Holstein obviously coming in from Bama, and then Julian Duggar, the, the kid from Penn Hills. And, I mean, listen, there's a high likelihood that not all five are – going to say on, April 15th, that might change. On the roster, you know, come, come fall, but – you know, I, I go back to those last couple games, Boston College, Duke, with, with Nate Yarnell. I mean, that was the best quarterback play they got all year, and, and not coincidentally, they had a chance to win both ball games and won one of them um, after a very, very rough year. I, I like what Nate Yarnell brings from a poise standpoint, leadership standpoint. He's been in the program, learning Cade Bell's offense, but you can't help but be intrigued by the, the kind of the wild card being Eli Holstein. And, and Christian Veyer's got a couple years, too, so – Interesting quarterback situation, a lot to manage if you're Cade Bell, but fresh start, new offense, um, a lot of horses to pick from. I don't. We don't need to give away any secrets, and obviously you won't. But is there a certain type of quarterback that fits Cade Bell's offense better than another one? I mean, I, I I've had a couple conversations with Cade, and I, I think one of the things I asked him was, you know, would you prefer a guy that can move? Absolutely. But he, he's he's had guys that can run. He's had guys that can't move. He's had guys that could make changes at the line of scrimmage. He's got guys that couldn't, and he's really kind of tailored the offense to that. So I think in college football, in football period today, the ability to run is is a 
an added dimension for a quarterback. But and I think Nate Yarnell can move just fine. Um, I think, obviously, Eli uh, wants to be a willing runner. Christian Veyer, not as much of a runner, but athletic enough to make make a first down. So uh, I think if he had his druthers, he'd take a guy that can move. But, you know, th- there's more than enough athleticism on in that room right now to, to be functional. A couple of quick points. He left before Saban retired, so that was not part right. of – part of this decision when he was coming out of high school he was a borderline five-star everybody wanted him I mean this this is not a project guy this is a guy who comes out like every school wanted Eli Holstein and now he's at Pitt and I think he feels like he has something to prove and the thing he said he loves about Cade Bell's offense like what, what are the things that you like from what you've seen the snapshot the he said they they have some notes and that they've talked to coach. A lot of it's been on the phone because he's been out recruiting. But he said they score points. Mm-hmm. I don't care how, but they score points. And he said I he said he researched different options. He looked at different schools, what their situations were, and the excitement for him was the way Cade Bell's offense, not just at Western Carolina, but throughout his career and working with his father. Yep, they've scored points. April 13th, that's a spring game. I, you know, I'm getting excited for it, you know, talking, you know, early spring ball. Spring ball probably starts in about a month. I don't know the exact date. You got the exact date when spring ball starts? Probably I would imagine March it's, it's, it's early March, yeah. Yeah, early March. So, in about a month from now, spring ball starts, and then the, the spring game will be April 13th, and we'll be able to see uh, Eli Holstein and the Pitt Panthers and see what they're possibly capable of this year. I'm excited about it. Coming up next, uh, a couple things that Arthur Smith needs to address immediately. I'm talking about right now as the Pittsburgh Steelers offensive coordinator will dive into that. But first, fan weather brought to you by Sun Chevy. 2024 starts with great incentives on the Trailblazer, Blazer, Equinox, and Silverado. SunChevy.com today, high of 47, low of 35 with overcast. Tomorrow, high of 41, low of 33, overcast as well.